0: and welcome to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. Today we have a great success story that shows how powerful niching can be, and not only growing your advisory practice, but also how it can lead to additional streams of revenue and grow into its own adjunct business. Our guest today has just such a story, how based on personal experience, he saw a need in the marketplace and set about to build a practice around filling it. Speaking with us today is Mike Velasco, founder of Red Oak College Planning, who has over 30 years experience in the financial services industry. His firm is affiliated with a college planning network and together they've helped hundreds of parents successfully navigate college admissions and financial aid process so they can comfortably afford to send their children to college regardless of cost. CPN is the nation's largest and most reputable college admissions and financial aid servicing center and has averaged nearly $19,000 a year in college age for the average family. After nearly 20 year career on Wall Street Mike started his own financial planning firm, Red Oak Capital, where he has helped numerous families in the areas of retirement planning, college financial planning, and estate and income protection. Prior to his Wall Street career, Mike spent six years with a large CPA firm as a manager of their financial services group, where he obtained his CPA certification and gained valuable experience in the financial services world. Mike graduated with a degree in public accountancy with honors from the Lubin School of Business at Pace University. He's also a frequent speaker on college financial planning at local New Jersey libraries, church groups, and community centers. He's a noted lecturer for many of the New Jersey County Bar Association meetings, and is considered one of the leading college financial aid speakers on the topic of divorce and its impact on college financial aid planning. Mike, thanks for coming on the program today. We're pleased you could join us.
1: Thank you, Dave. Really excited to be able to talk talk in this program today.
0: You've got quite a growth story to tell our audience. And your niche in college financial planning was born out of a personal experience with your own family, wasn't it? What happened initially and, and when did you realize it could become a viable business?
1: You know, it, it actually came out of working with my own children. So I like to like to say my children are my lab rats. and um, it was spawned really in 2008 when the, uh, we had the, the uh, credit crisis in the markets and um, I had been saving for my children since they were born. And I had a, the majority of the savings in 529 plans, and I woke up one day after a huge correction and realized that I was down about 62% in age-weighted uh, 529 plans. And I looked at myself and said, "Wow, uh, community college may be may be the plan now." But in all seriousness, um, from that point, I re- realized a couple of things. One that Maybe saving and growth type assets that were tied to the equity markets for a future event where you need, know you need certain amounts maybe not may not be the greatest strategy. Um, from that, I started to do some research and realized that um, there may be opportunities to leverage this process. Maybe re reposition myself. Um, so that's really how this kind of started. Um, So 2008, I started looking at all these strategies for my oldest child, Haley, who was at that time 14. Um, She started college in 2011. Uh, Originally, I planned for about $40,000 was going to be the college cost. Um, And the first bill that came in, the gross cost was $52,000. So I realized that this was a runaway train. Right about that same time, Um, I started to look into maybe adding this into my practice. A lot of my clients were asking me about this. I realized that this was a a niche, a huge need, and a great way to help families. So in 2011, Red Oak College Planning was born. Uh, Fast forward to 2020, we have roughly about 900 clients. Um, we we, we We work with about 100 new students a year. And that's that's how it all came about
0: so originally from your your daughter's experience you got some very hard lessons and some practical insights as to uh, what schools were looking for and how they operate in terms of admissions and financial aid from going through that experience but it wasn't as easy as simply applying that knowledge to your first client was it there were other elements you needed to put in place first before you could really effectively offer this as a service
1: that's correct I mean Dave this is not uh, this is not an easy business. You have to grind at this, um, at, the, at, at building this practice. I learned over time, and I learn every day new things. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, my oldest one uh, wanted to go, was looking at uh, a couple of the state schools in, in neighboring states, was going to get a significant merit package, um, was all set to go. And then at the last minute, she veered off and said, hey, I want to I want to look at a couple of the Ivy Leagues. And uh, lo and behold, we decided that Cornell was the best fit for her academically, socially. And we applied there Um, from that, from going through that, I, I realized the whole process of how colleges look at students and their families and their abilities to pay and how possibly you can leverage that knowledge into maybe positioning yourself so that you can look artificially worse than you are uh, and maybe qualify for some of that need-based aid. So I started to incorporate some of those tactics with planning for my clients, and I started to have some significant results. Conversely, there's also folks that there's no way that they'll ever be able to qualify for need-based aid. The profile is not correct. For instance, they may have too much W-2 income. They may have um, certain assets that cannot be repositioned. For those folks, there are other strategies. For instance, maybe the student looks at merit-based schools that look solely on the student's performance in high school and their test scores and their overall resume. I'll give you an example. We had a client come in last week. I'm sorry, the beginning of this week. He's a gentleman with a very, very high income, W-2 income, Really, there's no way that they could qualify for need based aid. Um, What we did was, he started working with us last year with his junior. We repositioned the student's college list so that a lot more schools on the merit spectrum would be in that list. In terms of his ability to pay, the colleges looked at him and said, There's no need here. However, the student was a good student, and he came in with a list of schools that um, we had recommended that. He's got choices now between sixteen to twenty-four thousand in terms of total cost. He's elated. He's saving over fifty thousand dollars a year on the high-end private schools, and I think the schools that we picked for his daughter are going to be just as good as that. So there's a lot of ways to skin the cat on this, but the key thing is that it's an accumulation of of uh, of of knowledge through just doing it by going to conferences and working with students over time, and, and you learn new things every day.
0: And You really can't get that knowledge anywhere else. There's not a book or a guide. You can't go on YouTube and get a video about how to do this. This has got to be learned through the the hard knock school, so to speak.
1: Absolutely. I will tell you that I may be putting a book out uh, this year. That's one of my uh, one of the things that we're working on.
0: So now there is a book. Terrific. I love it. What's, um, talk about your clients for just a minute, not on an individual basis, but what's the financial situation of, of the typical client you see? Usually there's, you can break them in sort of into categories in, in terms of, of where their financial situation sits.
1: Right. So what, Dave, what we do, um, pretty much on a bi-monthly, uh, uh, calendar, we do workshops where we get up and do a general information only workshop, community centers, uh, churches, um, Elks clubs, VFW posts, etc. And it's informational only, general information. There's no sales um, at all in this. It's really about teaching people a little bit about this process, uh, kind of getting into their pain points and really trying to drive people to come into the office for a free consultation. So the numbers are high. We get a lot of folks that come out, 25, 30 a shot. And we usually get seventy percent of them coming in for that free consultation. Um, and there's three groups of people that we see in this business. One is the groups that are on the need-based spectrum, where they're going to get financial aid and need-based aid as long as they do the process uh, correctly and on time. And we can work with those folks on a fee-based uh, fee-based approach. Um, there's probably limited uh, investment opportunities with them or uh, asset management opportunities unless there's a rollover or some, you know, there's a change in jobs, things like that. The next group is about 50% of the people in the practice. And those are incomes up to around 250000 um, They have some assets. They don't have enough. They realize that. Uh, maybe the planning that's been done by a, a, uh, their planner never really addressed college, it was geared more towards retirement and is a significant opportunity to work with those folks, not only on the college planning side, but also to take over their full planning. And we do that quite a bit. Thirdly is a group where there's no need. That's usually an income for an individ- for one student north of 250,000, 250, uh, they have significant assets. They may have a lot of those assets in in structures that we can't reposition. So like I said about that gentleman and his wife who came in earlier this week, those are folks that we may be able to shift and use other strategies, um, such as attacking the merit spectrum. Um, In a lot of those cases, we end up working with those people on a a full-time planning basis also. So that's kind of a summation of the the three types of folks that come in uh, into this practice for us.
0: So that third group, the ones that are, can afford to self-fund, really you're offering guidance as to structure or scheduling or or ways to take advantage of the assets they do have. But it's that second bucket where you can really do the most good in terms of the, of the college planning. That that third bucket is where you can actually generate some income from assets,
1: correct? That's correct. That's correct, yeah. So that middle bucket that we talked about, um, those are folks that in this process of college in terms of paying for college they get creamed if they don't do if they don't um look at this uh, deeper and a lot of them uh we we also pick up a lot of those types of clients after they already have had one student in college and they come to us and realize hey we made mistakes and we're trying not to make the same mistakes with number two or maybe number three or four whatever whatever the number is in their family in terms of students so
0: that's interesting. They're, they're looking at the first kid as a mulligan, which is kind of fun. <laughs> but uh, you have to go through this once to see where the errors really are, unless you've got somebody like you to help them.
1: We're hoping that we can get them before the first one goes. But I, I tell a funny story. I started working with a family last year. And that family came to see me about four years ago. And um, we have a drip system, and we keep dripping and dripping. And they came, they came in and said, we should have came in to see you. We went and tried to do this on our own. We, you know, we thought maybe, you know, you know, we know you're going to charge a fee, et cetera. We were trying to save some money and we totally messed up. So I started working with them with their second student. What's interesting is that we just got more money for the first student through a process where we did an appeal. So they are very, very happy. Not only are we maximizing what we're going to get for the second student, but the first student, we've been able to reduce some of the original cost and the original mistake.
0: Sounds like you've, you've got it all covered no matter what they do, but I'd, I'd like you to dig in a little deeper. Tell me how you can help people put these various financial pieces together uh, to help avoid saddling their kids with hundreds of thousands in student debt. I mean, you're you're here to really drive the process where they're actually getting in and able to, to be comfortable about this. What are you looking at, at first? What What pieces are you usually working with in terms of their financial situation?
1: It's a great question. So what we try to do is that there's there's an opportunity sometimes to rearrange things, to reposition things, we like to say. And I've added another a little bit of a, of a, of a disclaimer to that, reposition things legally, um, especially in the um, times that we've had in the last couple of years with some of these scandals. So we're looking at things like managing their taxes. For instance, in the college financial aid world, let's say you're applying to college and you're a 2020 graduate you're working off of the 2018 tax return that's it's always two years prior tax return so for those families that got that we started working with before 18 we would say we would try to do things such as maybe reposition any asset dispositions or sales into that 2017 tax year so the income is artif- is is inflated in a year that doesn't count against them, and maybe try to recognize or push expenses if we could into the 18 tax return or latter tax returns. So we're always trying to we're we're trying to get families that are younger than juniors and seniors because we have the ability sometimes to work and look at asset sales and the like and things like that. Um, additionally, sometimes families may come to us with a lot of cash assets and things like that so there are some insurance strategies that we can use and annuities that we can reposition those assets into really good solutions that do not count for college uh financial aid calculus for the calculus for financial aid so that's another positive thing a third thing is we occasionally will look at families that come in and say, hey, we want our students to go to private school. Well, private school d- does a couple of things that are different than most of the public institutions. They'll look at your home equity. So if you've been a, a, a good saver, maybe you you paid off your house or you substantially paid down your house, that equity in the house is now going to count against you. So the Cornells of the world, the Pens of the world, they're going to say, hey, you can use that home equity to pay for college, even if that wasn't your plan. So sometimes we'll, what we may do is we may pull that home equity and reposition it to a non-countable solution. The term that we used to use on Wall Street when I was there is called defeasement, basically have an account that's growing alongside your your your, uh, your your mortgage loan. And it's available for college. It keeps you out of that Student loan trap. If um, but it also doesn't count, and it makes you look artificially worse than you are. So on those private schools, sometimes a significant amount of need-based aid that can be accessed just by making these changes. Um, so that's what we're trying to do. We're always trying to, if we can, get that family into a need-based scenario. And if the students are good enough students that can get into a need-based school, we may be able to get a lot of what we like to call free money from those colleges.
0: It, it sounds like it's it's something that you really would need help with. But uh, so really, you're just repositioning some of these assets so that they don't either count against the student or the student's family. And it fits within the parameters based on the thresholds for that particular school. But your work goes beyond just pure money for these people, doesn't it? I mean, there are other considerations, even the timing in order to, to secure the most uh, favorable financial aid package possible. Tell me about some of those things.
1: Well, here's an example. So um, sometimes we'll get families that have multiple siblings. We, we call that, we have a term we call stacked, stacking, where they're actually going to be in school at the same time. And in some cases, that can actually be an advantage for you as a, as a family paying for college. For instance, if this student, and I'll give, here's, Here's an example. We had a uh, we're working with a family that we picked up last year, where the the young lady who's the oldest student is a phenomenal student, and was able to qualify for a tremendous private school, which unfortunately is going to cost dad the full tuition this year and room and board. Uh, there's just no way we could move him around with income and the like. However, next year. Her brother is going to be going to college. He's a very good student, but not as good as her. So we positioned her to a need-based school, knowing that the first year we're going to be a full payer. But next year, we're going to get about 35000 of need-based aid for her. And for the next two to four years, providing that, that client is pretty much going to stay at the same income level. We'll probably use some of the 529 assets. To, we'll use the 529 assets to pay her first year and her brother which we move forward to pay for that. So we're going to be able to access need-based aid for her next year. That's an example of how you look at a family on a holistic basis and not just one student. That's a big mistake that a lot of planners make and a lot of families make is that they just look at the first student and they don't look at the other one or two or three students coming behind it. My, my story that I like to say is I had one family that came to me and the, the dad was a large earner probably about $600,000 uh, income, and we were able to get his second and third kids on a need-based aid uh, package. So um, we love you know, figuring out these complex uh, strategies, but it's really, really important that families know their situation before they start this process. It's kind of like if you're going to play the game, you want to know the rules. Another strategy we've used is, for instance, where we've had families where we think we can get them in need-based aid and we may have the first student take a gap year so that they match up. The two the two students match up for the next four years. Again, taking advantage of the need-based aid. So there's there's a lot of different things you can do in this in this, but the key thing is this. We're trying to keep our clients away from taking student loans from that $1.6 trillion that you hear about every day in, in the news. so And we're trying to access either free money or merit money uh, for these families.
0: Clearly, there's a lot more to this than just processing some forms and, and helping people answer questions. We're up on a break. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the specific tools Mike's using, uh, the business model he uses to make sure that everyone gets uh, taken care of, options for outsourcing some of his work, and how he finds new clients. We'll be right back.
2: Are you an RIA or financial advisor looking to grow and scale your practice but feel like you could use some help? Feel like there are lots of growth options out there but don't have time to research them and don't want to make an expensive mistake? Want to spend more time helping clients instead of time-consuming investment research, compliance checks or transactional work? If you answered yes to any of these, Pinnacle Advisor Solutions has the answers you need With a range of outsourced options and financial planning support, Pinnacle has a solution that fits your needs, budget, and circumstances to help you scale up, grow your practice, or put a succession plan in place. For more information or to set up an appointment, call 201-919-4838.
0: And we're back talking to Mike Velasco about uh, college financial planning. Mike, you've got some specialized tools and information sources to help you create an accurate picture for each of these targeted schools, don't you? Tell me a little bit about how those work.
1: Sure. So I'd, I'd like to kind of go back to what I said earlier in the um, in the in the in the interview about families see us at a workshop and then they come in. So here's what we what they they're required to do to, to secure that meeting. They have to come in and fully disclose their whole financial picture, which is great. You get to see everything, tax returns, investment. Accounts, things like that. Um, so from that, our first baseline thing that we do with a family is we learn about the student. We learn about what the student is doing. And if there's any things that we can recommend that that student to make themselves the best candidate they can. So that kind of warms 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 up warms the meeting up. And then we get into the financial part, which is in a lot of cases can be quite uncomfortable for these folks and and that's not necessarily a bad thing in our world okay um so we'll go through a process where we actually evaluate them as if they were applying for college today and with a financial aid officer and how they look and we'll we'll compute their public you know the fafsa form the actual output or their what we call their expected family contribution and the css profile form which is the form that that most schools require Additionally to the FAFSA uh, on the private on the, in the private school spectrum, um, from that I can tell whether I can help them or not in terms of repositioning from that from that point. If I can't, I can usually move that meeting to other ways that we can help them. So we charge a fee, and that fee encompasses all four years of college, appeals, forms, etc. What we started to do this year is we started to outsource all our forms and appeals to a provider to help us, which which has been a godsend and, and fantastic for us because that frees us up to do more significant, impactful planning to get deeper relationships. The good thing about this business or this practice, I'd like to say is that we've become really deep friends with our clients and it helps us in terms of taking them from college financial planning into, the, into retirement planning and gathering more assets from them.
0: That's, that sounds like something that would take quite a bit of work to get involved with, and, and there are subscriptions that you need and software and some other bits and pieces too that, that need to feed into this. Now, when a parent comes in and you look at their financial statements, and it's really great that you get to see everything, uh, what are the two biggest mistakes parents make in setting up their financial situation where they think they're doing the right thing and they're really not to help pay for college?
1: So one of the biggest things that I see is that parents have, they they don't have enough liquidity, and what I mean by that is that almost all of their investing has been geared towards long-term retirement accounts, uh, assets that are not available for college to help them pay, also uh, the paying off of the house, uh, meaning there's... Um, they have a, a a ton of home equity, yet they don't have any liquidity or emergency funds and the like. Uh, some of those folks have actually even incurred quite a bit of credit card debt. Um, so in a lot of case, in some cases, we're actually cleaning up balance sheets, putting people on on budgets, getting them to start saving a different way, saving in in, in solutions that, for instance, don't count for college that can be readily accessed for college, yet do not count for college, and making them potentially look worse than they are. We also look at the house, the home equity sometimes, because if the students are very good students and the family thinks that they may want that student to go to private school, we'll see if we can maybe make them look worse than they are by tapping into the home equity, the the home's equity.
0: So you really want to make sure that you're you're gearing this towards college savings, not towards retirement savings. Now, what are the two best things clients can do to set themselves up, or their children up for success in all this? What are the two top things they can really start to do now?
1: You know, Dave, the one thing that we don't get enough of is families coming to us with younger with younger children, because if we have the ability to get younger children um, and save different ways, we can build really significant assets for these folks in non-countable solutions. Now some people will say, well, I know I'm never going to get any need-based aid down the road because you know I have this job and all that, but I have found in this business that situations change. One day, you know, you're you're in your 40s and you're working for a company and you think it's never going to end, and then you get to your 50s and for instance, Right before college, you may lose your job, you may get ill, you may get uh, sick with with an unfortunate disease. Things change, divorce and the like. So having these programs in place when students are younger, I can't, it's fantastic if you can do that um, and get to those folks. So that's been one of the key things of our practice is we're starting to see younger families because of of the cost of college. We did some planning for a a family with a three-year-old. And mom and dad asked us, can you project what college would cost, say, at Princeton for him when he's 18 years old? And we did. We ran the numbers. Now, you have to understand that college right now is growing at a 7% growth rate. That's three times the rate of inflation right now. Okay? So with that... The first year of college for that family would be one hundred ninety-one thousand. Staggering. Yeah, I
0: would say so. My goodness, now that's pretty pre escent set of parents when they're thinking the kid's got a specific college in mind at age three. But uh, and you're right, things do change. That kid's going to turn into a a welder. I mean, <laughs> they'll have plenty of money for welding school if he changes his mind. Now this seems like it takes a lot of time. How does this mesh together with with your financial planning and investment management clients?
1: I, I would definitely say that that is a true, that is a true um, outcome of this. However, what we have been able to do now in the last year, which has made it a little bit easier for me, is that I've built up a team. And I'm, I'm, con- I'm actually in the process of maybe bringing one or two more people in, plus outsourcing all the administrative work in this. So I think we're in a good place going forward, 2020 and out, um, where I take more of a, a senior role doing the workshops you know, and and bringing in clients um, and then having some folks work with me, uh, training them and, you know, helping take care of those clients and being a little bit more proactive. Yeah, this is not an easy business, okay? And, but I think it's a a worthwhile business and I think it it has a lot of personal gratification for me that I'm able to help families stay out of trouble to do things that do not get them into financial trouble. And what we're finding is we're, we're taking a lot of those clients away from other planners because we have solved their biggest problem, okay? We, we yeah. have kept their kids and their families from going into debt. And to me, that's very worthwhile. And um, I wake up every morning knowing that, you know, that I'm impacting families and helping them to, um, to build a better financial uh, future.
0: Now, I think that's why a lot of planners got into this business is because they wanted to help people. And it's wonderful that you're able to, uh, to express things in in a way that that seems like you've really got a good handle on doing exactly that. This is a highly specialized type of business, though, the typical planner doesn't consider this as part of his sort of range of services, it's got a very narrow focus. And as a result, you've had to develop some very unique referral sources to find new clients Now, tell us about those for a minute.
1: Sure. Um, so when we first started this business, we did it through conventional workshops mailers social media and that that worked really well then we started to become uh, noted in the in in the marketplace and got invited to do speaking uh, engagements for a, like targeted groups so a big group for us has been matrimonial lawyers uh divorce and estate lawyers uh, divorce attorneys I'm sorry and those lawyer those have become huge referral sources for us because we actually speak to their groups. We actually have a lot of them as clients, and um, they, um, there's a natural um, kind of almost like you work as a referee for some families if they're not getting along, but you can really help families. Divorce is an interesting uh, topic, and um, we can help a lot of families there. The other areas, we get quite a, a bunch of A tremendous amount of referrals from CPAs, um, who, whose clients are concerned about paying for college and, um, may think they don't have enough. And that has been a great source for us. The third source that's become huge for us. And I mean, you know, like this month we closed about five or six folks from, uh, ACT, SAT tutors, you know, educational centers, folks who are doing, um, college planning but on the academic side and there's a natural fit and conversely when clients come in to see us and their students are sophomores and, and juniors they'll say who do you recommend for tutoring for the act sat and we can give them several folks that we work with in the communities that we cover so that has become a, an absolute uh, huge part of our business where we're getting you know seven to ten new clients um, well even more probably 15 clients a quarter um, from that those relationships
0: now that's something most wouldn't have really thought of is, is the tutors but it's a very nice reciprocity that develops between between the two of you and you're both there to help the student which is terrific you talked about uh, closing four or five new clients this month what levels of growth? Can one of our listeners expect if they were to follow in your footsteps and start offering this kind of service?
1: Well, I look at it this way when we first started, um, we were, and quite frankly, I was learning on the fly, um, but we were averaging, I guess, the first couple of years, probably about 60 new clients a year. So that's 60 new clients. There's a lot of assets in there, there's a lot of opportunity to make them long-term clients, which we have done. Right now, we're at a pace where we're probably going to be bringing in about 100 new clients a year, um, maybe even more with a couple of the folks that we're, we're bringing on, that I think um, you know you can be looking at significant opportunities to, A, be in front of assets, B, be able to cross-sell wealth planning, wealth management services, which we are becoming better and better at it, turning them not just into a college planning client, but actually um, moving their assets from, you know, their guy or their gal. Um, so we're we're really excited about the growth of our business. Um, you know, we think that uh, we can add significant assets on the management and have a lot of long-term clients um, because the typical college client are mostly in the 40s and 50s. So, and you know, that's kind of the the sweet spot where you want to be trying to get those folks and bring them into the 70s and 80s and 90s. So I'm really, really bullish about where our practice is going. The fact that we've now been able to get some more outsourcing help in the administration side, that's really freed us up to do more impactful planning for families going forward.
0: We're all about outsourcing here, and you know that. Uh, for our listeners who are considering doing this, what, what I know you learned on the fly and kind of got a rolling start at all this and learned as you went. Uh, given the advantage of being able to do some more research and, and listen to you, frankly, about how to do this, what advice would you give a, a newer planner who wants to try this to to give them the best possible outcome? What one piece of, of advice would you give them when they're starting out?
1: Yeah, I, I think you'd have to look at potentially, you know, maybe looking at some of the groups that are out there doing this. In terms of um, assisting planners in, in doing college financial planning, at least in the beginning, so you learn the process and what it's about. Um, reading about it is a big part, and you know going to conferences on it, and, and really just getting into, you know, learning the concepts and how all the forms work. You know how the colleges look at this uh, at students and their families and their abilities to pay. I think that's really important, but, you know, experience comes from doing things. So, you know, a lot of my experience in this business, this practice has been by um, doing it year in, year out. And I like to say that I essentially have 120, 100 to 120 new private eyes every year. And as we go through things, every year we learn new things, we learn new things about what colleges are doing and, and the like. So I think in summation, it's it's a great way to build your practice, um, but understand that you're gonna have to work at this to, to uh, bring it to the next level.
0: So a little practical information, a little research and some hard work. Mike, it's been terrific having you on the program. I'm sure our listeners learned an awful lot about college financial planning and how sometimes a different approach to planning is required for specific circumstances, some of which may fly in the face of conventional wisdom. Thank you so much for joining us, I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Dave, I appreciate taking the time and uh, um, uh, I hope that folks um, go out there and help other folks with this, It's it's a great business.
0: Terrific. We've been speaking with Mike Velasco of Red Oak College Planning in Basking Ridge, New Jersey about college financial planning as a niche. If you have questions about the real world applications of college bound financial planning, or about anything you've heard on this program, just drop us a line at fouradvisors at pinnacleadvisory.com and we'll try and get you some answers. You've been listening to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. I'm your host, Dave Polis, and until next time, thanks for listening.
2: You're listening to For Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. This program is for educational purposes only, and the opinions expressed here by guests do not necessarily fully or accurately reflect the legal intent or nature of Pinnacle Advisor Solutions, Pinnacle Advisory Group, or its senior management. This program is not intended to give legal, investment, or financial planning advice, and opinions and statements made in this podcast should not be relied on as such.